You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Another episode of Podcasters of Shield, Cinema Geekly's all-encompassing Marvel podcast. It's Team Double A again. It's Anthony Lewis and Aurora. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you? I'm doing super. Uh, I'm feeling great today, and the weather's—it's uh, kind of chilly, but it's—it's it's all right. Otherwise, I'm feeling yeah. great. I got a lot accomplished today, so uh, good. Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm feeling good. Um, our uh, now, are you? Um, are you heading back to? Uh, are you like riding back to Illinois today or I am. Yep. Okay. Are are you going to be back on Monday or are you going to be, are you still going to be in Illinois on Monday? I'll be half of the day in Illinois because I have an interview. Oh, that's right. Every, everybody, <laughs> um, send, back. everybody send email best wishes for Aurora <laughs> to info Please. at cinemakeekly.com. Yeah. You send me good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, or just go to her <laughs> Facebook page or something and uh, just, just wish her well. So she can get this job and and uh, get out of the Hoosier state, yeah, uh, and into whatever state Illinois is. I, I don't know what they call Illinois. Uh, I'm sure it's oh, got a name. The I this, don't know. <laughs> the uh, I don't know the mob. I mean, I know Chicago is a windy city. <laughs> yeah, the windy. Yeah, I was gonna say like the mobster state, but I mean even <laughs> even that is like even that is like really specific to Chicago. So I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> speakeasy state i don't, I don't know they, i'm sure they've got a nickname and i'm sure there's people listening uh or will listen at some point who are in illinois that are shaking their fists violently at, at me right now but i apologize uh let's yeah, get but I'll, I'll be back monday afternoon yeah okay so we may do there may be some more of this to come yeah. more of this yeah. daredevil show which just keeps impressing me on a on a mm-hmm. regular basis i just when i think the show is hitting a, a high point or a peak it goes higher. Like at this point, I am not sure. Uh, it, goes, it goes higher and darker. It does. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it is. I'm noticing a trend of of more violence and and yeah. more graphic violence as the show is yeah. is uh, everything is everything else is escalating as well. There's there's it ties in stuff so nicely. It's just a really great TV show that isn't technically on TV, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be. Aaron and I were having this debate, like whether or not it should be considered in like the, uh, you know, if you're going to group like the best superhero shows on TV, because I think on regular TV, there's what, four of them right now that are on uh, between S.H.I.E.L.D., Flash, awesome. Gotham and uh, Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, if you don't count Daredevil. And I'm like, well, I count Daredevil. I mean, technically, it's not on a network, but, you know, Netflix is winning awards at award shows where other network shows win. Yeah. Awards, so to me, Netflix is just as much uh, TV. It's just not 
traditional a traditional station. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, mean, you can you watch you can watch it on TV. So technically, yes, you can call it a TV show. Right, right. <laughs> like I would never watch Netflix on my computer. I will always right. watch it on on TV if given the option. So yeah, the. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't think there is. I, I think Shield is like because I I I've really loved Agents of Shield, um, mm-hmm. but I don't think anything has come close to what they're doing with Daredevil here. Like it's really superb. Oh, yeah. I I would be shocked if it's not nominated for some awards. I don't know if they're going to give them any awards because of the genre, but um, yeah. I, I don't. I, although I don't know if I would let them. I I don't know. I I don't even think that would stop them because it's not too superhero-y, if you know what I mean. Like, I think it's right. I think it's just grounded enough to where it could probably win awards as well. And it should. It's very good. It should, yeah. All right, uh, did so, you see that they, they renewed it? For, yes, that's right. There's a, a second yeah. season already. Um, mm-hmm. And also, uh, because this is our uh, little corner of Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you this first, but... Uh, Aaron has suggested that when we do the finale episode, because we're doing two at a time and, mm-hmm. uh, that will leave one episode remaining because we will, uh, right. the second to last episode will be episodes 11 and 12, which means the final episode we do will just be the finale episode. And Aaron, mm-hmm. Aaron has asked if every single person can be on this podcast <laughs> to discuss it because they are all dying to talk about this show too. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the more the merrier. We'll get everybody yeah, on here, and then we'll all talk over each other, and nobody <laughs> will know what anyone's opinion actually is of the show, and no one will leave happy, and everyone <laughs> will regret having spent their twelve dollars. It's a brilliant idea, and we're going to do it. Uh, Listen, that's how uh, finales should be discussed. <laughs> yes, sure. With people so. just rambling, talking, yes. making points over one another's <laughs> points. All right, here we go. Let's uh, talk about season one, episode seven, called Stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock. Uh, in the papers, though, there, he's being called, I believe, the devil of Hell's Kitchen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, not officially Daredevil, but that's all right. We we know he's Daredevil, so we're going to keep calling him that. He has tracked down Leland Owlsley, uh, the accountant, the money man for, for Wilson Fisk. And uh, is about to extract some information from him, slapping around a little bit. Uh, but before he has a chance to get any information out of this man, uh, he is distracted. And uh, not just distracted, because he, he hears somebody uh, somebody coming with a like a walking stick, another blind person. At first, my, my first instinct was that it was maybe one of Madame Gao's uh, yeah. workers or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he was very distracted. Like it, it was It was almost like... Uh, he heard the the stick, but it was like we would recognize someone's voice. Like he was right. very distracted by it, yeah. so much so that Owsley was able to taser him in the ribs and then get in the car and take off. And uh, when uh, I don't know the, why, I mean, I don't know why, but I laughed so hard when he got tasered. That scene, I I don't know why it made me laugh so hard. Yeah, so he's laying there in agony, um, and uh, this man comes up to him, and uh, I think he asks him if he's going to get up or something, this elderly man. And uh, we are given a flashback to young Matt, who is now in um, in a home for, for children. Obviously, he's, he's orphaned because his father has died. Although uh, we learned that his mother is still alive, but we're told that that is another story altogether. Um, but he is struggling. He is, he, he's, his hands are cupped over his ears. It's, there's so many sounds. 
And um, this man is brought in to, to, by the nuns, I believe, that, that run this place to try to maybe help him. Uh, this man is also blind. And uh, when he gets in there, he realizes that Matt has an ability. Like he throws him like some car keys and Matt just catches them. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that he's not getting worse. He's getting stronger. And uh, basically we kind of there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of well tied in flashbacks kind of showing this man. Basically, it is strongly hinted uh, that this man who we only know uh, as stick. That's the only name we're ever given for him is mm-hmm. uh, similar to Matt. He has the same heightened senses that Matt does. And he sort of in, in a way, kind of like how the first episode sort of gave us like the very condensed version of the origin story for daredevil. This kind of, this kind of adds to it a little bit. It kind of shows Mm -hmm. how he was trained and all of this other stuff. And, uh, stick is a real hard ass. Uh, maybe he's named stick because he has one up his ass. Cause this guy is (laughs) like so hard nosed. Lines with Dick too. Yes. Yes. Um, the, uh, of which he is, yeah. Matt Murdock yeah. even calls on that later. He's like, "Yeah, you're right." Um, yeah, he he not he's training him, and not only is he really hard on him in the training, but he's also like no emotional attachments, none of this other. Basically, he wants him to be a robot, essentially a warrior mm-hmm. uh, uh, that doesn't think, that just gets orders, takes them, and does the job. Um, at some point during during this training with with Stick. Uh, Matt becomes attached to him. The first mm-hmm. time they go out, he takes him for ice cream so he can kind of learn about him a little bit and sort of teach him about his his skill. Like, you know, you're not just tasting vanilla. Here's all this other stuff you're tasting, like the dirt on the hands of the guy who put your ice cream cone. Yeah, that together. was crazy. How can you taste milk from three different dairies? Yes, like how do they know they're from states? different... Yes. <laughs> It's very skilled man, uh, apparently. <laughs> um, and uh, young Matt very sweetly makes like a bracelet out of the wrapper from his ice cream cone. Mm-hmm. And Stick is says, "Fuck this!" Crumples it up, and he says, "I'm I, I expected too much of you, and no more training." And after that point, we are led to believe that Matt essentially finishes his own training using mm-hmm. the knowledge that Stick has bestowed upon him uh, prior to this. Uh, so basically the reason he has returned is to enlist Matt's help to destroy something called black sky, a weapon from the Japanese. Um, that is, uh, this whole operation is being led by Nobu, who is, uh, an associate of Fisk's, uh, and it is being brought to New York. Uh, so Mm -hmm. Matt, uh, agrees that he's going to, he's going to help him. Uh, but he says no killing and stick says scouts honor, no killing. Uh, and of course, when they get there, uh, and Matt is taking out the goons left and right, um, Stick is making his preparations. And when Black Sky is unveiled, it is unveiled to be a very young, a very small Japanese boy who is mm-hmm. chained to this cargo, like in this cargo container, by himself. With, and, and I don't mean just chains; like chains everywhere, chains around his wrists, his legs, his yeah. waist. Like he is really chained down. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stick tries to kill him by shooting an arrow at him, and Matt catches the arrow. And uh, by the time he has finished off all of Nobu's goons, uh, not only has Black Sky vanished along with the rest of the goons, but so has Stick. He is gone as well. Um, so 
basically he gets back to his apartment and Stick is there waiting for him. And they have a discussion about all this in which Stick is like, hey, yeah, don't worry about that kid anyway. I, while you were busy fighting those goons, I, I hunted down the van and I killed that kid anyway. Mm-hmm. And this, Matt just lost it. And they start fighting each other in a really great fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> that was just all over the place. And uh, eventually, Matt kicks the crap out of this old man, which it sounds like it's easier than it is just by saying it, but he really <laughs> took a beating, did Matt murder yeah. mm-hmm. Uh And eventually, Stick agrees to leave the city. Uh, however, uh, there is one more scene where Stick is con- uh, conversing with a mysteriously heavily scarred man mm-hmm. who asks him if they will be able to rely on Matt in the future. And Stick says he has no idea. Mm-hmm. So what did you think, Aurora, of Stick? Um, well, I liked it. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I don't know why there were some scenes that I was a little bit bored mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, I did like the that uh, fight scene between Stick and Matt. Um, it reminded me of like old kung fu movies. Yes, yes, that's a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and, you know, there's the whole other storyline of uh, Karen being attacked, too, and Fuggy. Oh, fighting. yes, yes, yes. They completely left this out, by the way, on Wikipedia. I should have taken notes, uh, but I did, <laughs> which is why Aurora is here. Uh, yeah, so Karen goes after, um, well, essentially she's attacked by some of the goons involved with this Union allied thing. And right. uh, Foggy hits one of them in the head with a rock. And then uh, I believe... Uh, Karen pepper sprays one of them and then Foggy finishes a guy off with a baseball bat, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, because he thinks that, uh, um, you know, she's up to something, right? Like right. he, he, sus- he suspects just because she has pepper spray, uh, but I'm <laughs> like, come on, you guys live in hell's kitchen. It's called yeah, hell's I- kitchen. <laughs> I was seeing that. I was seeing that episode and I was thinking if Foggy knew me, he would think that I'm like a serial killer because I have, <laughs> So many things in my purse. I have pepper spray. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Couple sticks so. of dynamite. Yeah. I mean, you never know when it's going to come in handy. <laughs> and the mean, the mean streets of Indiana. Well, I'm sure there's some there's some rough parts in Indiana. But, um, but they also, when she gets attacked and uh, he kind of uh, assists her in saving her, yeah. they stay there for so long. Like, leave. Yeah. They, have a conversation next to the bad guys. Yeah, like, like he just go. Get, like, what if there's more people? Right. <laughs> uh, they've got to get that exposition out. They, they, that dialogue has to be said right there at that moment. Um, <laughs> is this the episode as well where Karen is talking to um, the uh, the woman who has been who has been uh, uh, Mr. Dennis? Yes, yes, yes. I can never yeah, remember her name. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they have this long. Uh, it was a really funny. There's a couple of really kind of laugh out loud, laugh out loud moments in this episode for me. But yeah. I really liked her conversation where they're they're uh, talking in Spanish to each other back and forth, and then she says something. Uh, she, what does she say? It's like she wants to get their dick in a vice. I think something <laughs> yeah. like that, which she says in English, and yeah. uh, um, and then they're all laughing about it until Karen leaves. And then uh, she looks up at her picture of Jesus on the wall and does like the sign of the cross. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> just for hearing the words. Um, I am, What I am shocked at is that Karen knew so much Spanish but did not know the Spanish yeah. for dick in a vice. That's uh, true. And then 
uh, in previous episodes, she said that she knows Spanish just from what she learned in high school. Yes, yes. And I know people that have learned Spanish in high school and they can't speak like that. No, I can. Yeah, like I had Spanish in high school and I can still count to 10. In <laughs> and I can say hello and uh, like a few colors I remember. Yeah. Uh, so and that's, that's the extent. That has made me, you know, because uh, there's like an, an under, uh, it's a story, hidden storyline that we haven't explored yet. But they kind of give us hints that Karen has like a secret something. Yeah, there's like she's kind of a, something suspicious about her, and I'm thinking maybe she knows Spanish because of her secret past and not high school. That's yeah. the only thing. I mean, because it is pretty fluent. So I mean, they had a for somebody who had only high school level Spanish and hasn't taken a course in it or, or spoken it really since. She was very good at conversing yeah. with this woman. Yeah. Um, she is not the only one in these episodes to hide their knowledge of a language. Although uh, Karen has outright said that this is as far as it goes. And you're right for somebody with that little uh, education in the language. She seems to speak it rather fluently. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, and we're not talking about like the side bit she's got going on here with Ben Urich or anything like that, or the union allied story. Like we're talking mm-hmm. about something that's maybe has not been revealed yet at all so uh, and it seems like we may i mean with the second season coming like who knows uh good lord there's so yeah i mean i guess it's received such praise uh i mean who can blame them for for doing a second season of it so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah i'm i like this episode more than you did i think but (laughs) that's because i was just kind of mesmerized by how just like a such a brutal dickhead that stick was like it was really surprising to me like wow this guy is like the the meanest crotchety old man and i mean i had like this this uh i said it in the on the facebook conversation and uh glenn was quick to point out to me archie bunker but i you know fuck archie bunker uh <laughs> but his his other point that was better was uh was uh mike airman trout from breaking bad and, and better call mm-hmm. saul and uh that immediately just sparked my mind like i desperately need to see a show where these two guys go around and solve crimes or, you know, like that would be the greatest show of all time. But yeah, I I was just kind of uh, captivated by that character. It was really interesting to me. And of course, they they, they did a really good job of making us hate him. (laughs) Yes. Like I was, I was just really wowed by him. But of course, after the fight is over, after stick is left, uh, Matt notices something. And when he picks it up, it's, the bracelet that he made for stick when he was a kid, apparently he still has it, which says a little bit more about him than he was leading on. Obviously like he, he may say all those things. He may even believe all those things he says, but somewhere deep down inside, he really cares for Matt Murdoch uh, in some form or fashion. You know, he's like, I'm looking for, he says something like that. Like I'm looking for a warrior and you're looking for a father. And he's like, well, I guess you're, we're both disappointed. But yeah. um, I also saw that um, I, I, I thought that that could be seen in uh, two ways. It could be seen in that way that he actually cared about him. But I also thought that it could be seen as him planting that so that Matt feels that way and can be recruited. I mean, quite possibly as well. Um, he could just be 100% soulless dick. 
Uh, that's entirely possible. He may not have any joy whatsoever. Uh, the the eternal optimist in me, which doesn't come out very often, but when it does, is 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 hoping that maybe there's like a shred of decency in this man. But it is really an interesting take on the student mentor thing. Mm-hmm. Like off the bat, it kind of seems like he doesn't like any of his students at all. He just is yeah. trying to turn them into to killing machines for for you know what purpose we don't know yet. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there's somebody you know screaming at us right now about the heavily scarred man. I'm sure he is some sort of oh. character, but I do not know who it is. And somebody is screaming the name at me right now. I'm well, sure. Well, I I read a little bit about it and. Um... Two things. I know that uh, Stick is worst in the comics. Like he's more of a dick in the comics. Really? That is. So in the show, I mean, they made him uh, a more s- subtle. He is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you can call subtle, I suppose that's incredible. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, I saw uh, an article saying that that last scene <laughs> was from uh, the comic uh, Daredevil: The Man Without Fear. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, that last guy is called Stone, and it's like one of uh, Sticks. It's part of Sticks' like clan ah. of uh, people that he has trained. So I don't I, know how it's gonna link in season two, but um, yeah, I've got. So, I've, but, I've got to say that is some the Flash level naming right there. If you've got Stick and Stone. That's that's like right that's that's like right up there with like bug eyed bandit and uh, some of the other stuff that they've come up with on Flash. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it's okay because it's that guy seemed scary and terrifying, but uh, and, and that name does seem. I mean, the names do seem to fit them, but it is kind of a funny play on words a little bit. So, yeah. Um, what would you uh, What would you give Stick score wise? Um. I will give Stick the character one, but <laughs> Stick <laughs> what an in the episode, I will give 3.5. Wow, okay, there you go. Um, yeah. That is a little bit lower than what I was going to give it. I was going to give Stick a four. I was going to give this show, this episode, a higher rating, uh, mm-hmm. but then I watched the next episode. Right. And that immediately altered my score for Stick because uh, yep. I was comparing it the two together and I'm just like, wow, I mean, stick was pretty good, but no way. Uh, I, I'm, I would yeah. give stick a, I would give stick a four, but that's mostly helped by the fact that I was really kind of into the relationship story between, uh, you know, the, the two of them, uh, mm-hmm. especially the flashback mm-hmm. stuff I thought was, was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, now, now is time for the main event. I, I don't even know if we could, can, should, continue watching the show after this because for me i don't know if the show can get better from like if it can match this episode because i was just awe-inspired with this episode it was uh, a very well-made episode very uh, it's, well. it's a season one episode eight called shadows in the glass mm-hmm. uh matt is brought uh into uh the plan to take down fisk by foggy and karen essentially he kind of uh overhears them right uh mm-hmm. Foggy and Karen are having this discussion in the office and he just overhears them. And uh, instead of trying to uh, uh, instead of trying to you know, dissuade him or tell him something else, Karen just flat out tells him what's going on. Um, and she has introduced uh, Foggy to, uh, to Ben Urich as well. Can um, I just say something about sure. this scene? Um, yeah. I got really excited because I don't know if you noticed this, but you know that uh, many people compare Daredevil to Batman? 
Yeah. Like they say that Daredevil is like the, the Batman of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this scene, Foggy says he's like a bat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like his blind. And, like and like, Matt says, well, bats are not blind. That's a myth. And I thought like that was like throwing yeah. shade. To Just a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, yeah. I'm really and, excited about that. And they, and I think they are. They're, I think they're, they're pretty similar. Um, you know, I, I think people tend to make the comparison with like Tony Stark, just because Tony Stark is super rich and has all makes all of his stuff. You know, kind of like how Batman does. But as an actual vigilante, I think Batman and Daredevil are far closer together. I mean, you know, in look and you know, like how they dispose of villains. You know, it's it's very mm-hmm. similar. Uh, and what they're looking for, and they and Daredevil has a no kill code as well, just yeah, like Batman. Batman so. yeah. um, uh, Matt advises them to uh, to uh, if they're going to try to take down Fisk, Fisk to try to do it by legal means uh, rather than down low. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Matt visits Ben Urich and gives him as much information as he can on Fisk. Uh, and Yurik has this thing. It's, it's like, look, you've got a lot of great information, but what are the sources? Like, people you mm-hmm. beat the information out of? Uh, you know, he got uh, he got Detective Blake, who was in his coma. Uh, he wakes up from the coma, right? And they find out about mm-hmm. this, and Fisk finds out, and Wesley finds out. And uh, they want uh, to take care of Blake, obviously, because he could talk, because they mm-hmm. tried to have him shot. Uh, right. So what they end up doing is recruiting Blake's partner in a really great scene as well, where his partner's like, look, we, we're not just partners. We didn't just train at the academy. I've, I've known him since we were kids. We're best friends. I've known him for 35 years. And Fisk just gets up real close to him. And he's like, how much would it cost for each one of those years? And this guy is just trying to hold it together. Like he's about to, yeah, he is about to just fall apart. But, but he decides to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. He's, he decides to inject him uh, with uh, some sort of poison, I, I presume, to uh, to kill him. And... I'd be interested to know how much money Fisk offers. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you go like a million a year? $35 million? I mean, like... yeah. It has to be a huge amount of money for him to actually do it. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Uh, <laughs> I I can't even, I mean, I'm trying to, like, think of it realistically. Like, if I was in his shoes, how much money would be enough for me to be like, okay, I'll, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably would have said what he said, right? Which is, um, you know, he didn't say it, but I'm presuming he's like, I want this much money, but it's got to be, it's got to be quick. It's got to be easy. He can't feel anything, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Although it did look like it was pretty uncomfortable for him um, mm-hmm. when he woke up. Um, but that being yeah. said, Daredevil breaks in and knocks out his partner and gets him, uh, Blake gives up Fisk before he dies. Unfortunately, uh, it all looks like Daredevil was the one who killed Blake. So his just wrong time, wrong place thing is still going on for him at the moment. Um, but yeah, Yurik is like, look, uh, none of this is credible. And Matt's whole point is like, look, just write the article. It doesn't have to be credible. It just has to get his name drug out there. Because mm-hmm. once it is, the the city's going to tear him apart for me. I won't have to do anything. Just get it out there. Now, of course, this whole episode is really about Wilson Fisk. Yeah. Uh, from the beginning. We start with him waking up like in, like in a sweat, like from a, a nightmare or fever dream or something like that. And he gets up and he looks at his painting 
and some cla- mm-hmm. a beautiful classical piece plays in the background, and then we watch his incredibly meticulous and ordered day as he yep. gets up, makes his breakfast, he picks out his suit, he picks out his cufflinks, uh, and he you know he goes about he goes about his business. He has a meeting with Madame Gao, mm-hmm. who uh, meets him at his home and lets him know that he's becoming sloppy. Yeah. Uh, and we learned that she knows English. And she knows English and <laughs> he knows Chinese as well. Yeah. Or, or Mandarin or whatever. Mandarin, yeah. Uh, and, and Japanese. Uh, and Japanese, <laughs> yes. Uh, he's like, "What? how many languages do you speak? And Madame Gao says, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, even the dead ones? Do you speak like, you speak like Latin? <laughs> like, you know everything? Wow, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a bunch of languages in Africa you don't know, but I don't know. Um, Maybe she knows like fictional ones too, like Klingon. <laughs> yeah, it's Klingon. <laughs> yeah, do you know Dothraki? Like, what what all do you know? <laughs> I'm curious to know these things. <laughs> I want to hear Madame Gao have a conversation in Klingon. That would be incredible. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, basically, she really upsets Fisk, and uh, he is very upset over all of this. And um, uh, consoles with uh, Vanessa to kind of calm him down. Meanwhile, we are getting these flashbacks of young Fisk, who is mm-hmm. this adorable chubby kid grown up in what I think is the 60s or the 70s, yeah. um, something like that. And uh, he has a gigantic asshole for a father mm-hmm. who is trying to run for city council and has spent all of the money in their family to do this, so mm-hmm. much so that he has gone to a loan shark to get money. Apparently, he's gone to the mob to get a loan, and he is so confident of his victory uh, yeah. that uh, that this will be the case. And uh, we get various flashbacks of his dad's assholery, of which it isn't. I mean, you know, this guy is like textbook sexist, you know, mm-hmm. asshole dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my goodness, was I just aching for something bad to happen to this guy? And yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh, Fisk meets with Vanessa. They spend an evening together, and then a night together. And uh, Fisk eventually tells her about um, uh, Fisk eventually tells her about, uh, you know, what's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we we see it in flashback form as he is explaining it to her. But uh, basically, his father never his father didn't win the election. Surprise, surprise. And uh, he came home one day with a busted lip. Crying, and his mom's trying to console him over a piece of cake, which mm-hmm. his dad is pissed off about, of course, because you're going to make him fatter mm-hmm. uh, just by eating that. And uh, of course, the uh, the proper uh, punishment for having the child eat cake is to beat the shit out of his wife, like yep. very brutally. Um, and uh, this was, I, I guess, I should, I guess, I should note. That uh, before that happened, there was the the scene right where he th- he wants to know what happened right to your lip or whatever, and he said, "This kid said you're a loser, and you you know I was just like you." And uh, his dad took him to the the jerk kid, mm-hmm. and then, he was a jerk. He was a jerk <laughs> who was probably due like a scaring, if not like a tiny roughing up. Yeah. Uh, but what he got was not a tiny roughing up. His dad kicked the crap out of him. And then had little young Wilson Fisk come over and start kicking him. And he's just like, he just says, keep kicking him. Keep kicking mm-hmm. him harder, harder, kick him more. Uh, and uh, so while this, oh, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, 
gloss over this because to me it was the moment that stood out the most to me for his insolence, for his misbehavior and for being fat, I guess. I don't know mm-hmm. what, what Wilson Fisk had done. He makes him sit in this corner and stare at the wall. And the wall looks just like the rabbit in a snowstorm painting. I, again, I don't know why this made me laugh so hard. Because I was like, a, a wall yes. is this equivalent to an art piece. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's, I, think, I think what it was for me, it was brilliant. Because it, like, yeah, it, it, was. it, did this, it had this connection of, like, this is the thing he does when he's bad. Yeah, no, and I love that connection, but I just thought that... Yeah, it yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that yeah. A, a regular wall looks the nicked, same as an art yes, piece. <laughs> they're cracked, nicked up wall. They could have torn that piece of drywall out and sold it for $300,000. Yeah. Um, that is, in fact, hilarious. But the connection, <laughs> the connection, I was just like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. Yeah, it was yeah. so it was so smart. And he is you're watching him look at this wall and all you can hear are these incredibly violent thuds of his father beating his mother. And it was very hard to listen to even. Uh, The longer it went on, the harder it was to listen to. And little Wilson Fisk grabs a hammer that is nearby. And his father turns around and essentially gives him the, what are you going to do? Nothing. That's what I thought. And then turns around and little Wilson Fisk bludgeons his father in the back of the head with a hammer. And then he hits him again and down he goes. And then just kick him. Kick him again, harder and harder over again. He's just hitting him in the head with a hammer, just yelling this out. He's saying, kick him, kick him harder, kick him again, as he is bludgeoning his dad, right? And mm-hmm. blood is everywhere. And I was just like, holy moly. Like, it, I was both like, hooray, while at the same time horrified. Like, I'm glad yeah, this guy it looked, got it. It looked like a scene from a horror movie. Yeah. And then, just when you thought it could not get crazier... Like, he's crying. Obviously, the mother is consoling him, right? Mm -hmm. You know, don't worry. It's okay. Everything's going to be fine. And then she goes, get me the saw. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, (laughs) I I lost it. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, what is happening here? Uh, And and then we cut back to Fisk talking to Vanessa. And she tells him that uh, they cut him into pieces and put him in a bag. And they'd carry a bag down and put it in the river once a day for seven days. And mm-hmm. they, and they, nothing happened to them because he had owed so much money to so many people and everybody knew it that they mm-hmm. just, they figured that they got to him or he had skipped town, something yep. along those lines. And one other thing that they show is that his cufflinks that he keeps picking out day after day are his mm-hmm. father's cufflinks. And yep. he says he wears them every day to remind himself that he is not who his father was. He's like, I'm not a monster. He's like, yeah. am I? You know, he's like almost on the verge of tears. And it was just an incredible scene. So uh, the next day, uh, Yurik is about to write his article when Fisk appears on television and thanks to some inspiration from Vanessa, decides to go public with his plans to rebuild Hell's Kitchen. And everybody plods and cheers Yurik mm-hmm. erases his letter, and Murdoch is throwing things around in his room as his plan has back. Fisk has made himself public, and in doing so, uh, has been heralded as a me- as like a, a hero, essentially. Yeah. Everybody. Um, so, what did you think of Shadows in the Glass? I'm going to go 
uh, take a cold shower after talking about the episode. <laughs> so excited. So let me ask you this. That I, I've seen this in so many movies and TV shows that I always wondered, have you ever been so upset that you, like, destroy a laptop? I have been really upset before. And so upset that I have, you know, especially when I was younger, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. So upset that I have caused damage to something, but nothing that I wouldn't like want to lose. Right? Because you see that uh, final shot of uh, Matt after he sees uh, Fisk go in this press conference, and he throws his laptop. Yes. And I was like, no. I mean, your laptop <laughs> doesn't upset. look that much. Yes, you're not that rich. <laughs> Look at your apartment. It's not that great. Yeah, no. You need to calm down. Yes. <laughs> um, I I really like this episode. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I liked how everything was connected from when it started with this uh, routine that Fizz had in the morning um, and the painting and how it connected to his um, childhood. And then I liked how at the end, Vanessa kind of, disrupts his routine like yes. now she's part of his life and he uh when he wakes up in that these night terrors or nightmares she's instead there. of looking at the painting he looks at her yes uh i like that a lot um but i'm still i still don't understand why she likes him yeah i mean it's it, they may have to do some sort of episode where they do a little bit more background on her or or something yeah. is, a little more is revealed like i think we're right when we were guessing that it's something about the danger or yeah. the you know what i mean the, that the there was a moment in this episode i it came to my to my head and then i was like no there's no way but I, there was a moment in, in in the episode when he's telling her about how he killed his father and she's looking at him and she's listening to him. And I was like, is she like an undercover agent? Yes. Like because she, yes. that will be like a good explanation of, of why she's doing this and listening to this man. Because everything that he comes out of his mouth is a red flag. Right. So, but then I thought, well, maybe not. Because I know she's yeah. his wife in the comic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it might just be like a turn on for her. Like she sees the vul- like she sees the pain and the vulnerability, and uh, you know, like maybe she sees that as an excuse for mm-hmm. everything else. You know, like oh, these are definitely all flaws, but there's a reason for it. And right. uh, you know, it's like I understand. Um, and yeah, I uh, for for me, like this was. I I don't think I've ever seen like a character study done in like a one hour TV show, especially for like done that great, especially Mm -hmm. done for a villain. Like he's the bad guy of this whole piece. Mm -hmm. And uh, for them to go that in depth, which you do not often see, uh, was just fascinating for me. And it like it like he's not Walter White for me, like where Walter White is clearly not the best person. Uh, mm-hmm. But you could understand his motives, even if they were a little sideways. Like, right. you could still feel for him and want to root for him. Like, I don't feel like I'm rooting for Fisk, but I do feel like I get him a lot more now. Like, there's a lot of stuff that really kind of clicks together in this episode for you. And you do, like, I felt, like, a, a great amount of empathy for, like, young Wilson Fisk. 
Yeah. Like, I can't imagine what it would have been like growing up. Because like, all I can think of is growing up in my, you know, nice family with my mom and dad who were always there. And my dad never beat my mm-hmm. mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, like he was like, a, he's a good guy. Uh, so trying to put myself in his shoes, like I really felt horrible for him. And yeah. in a lot of ways, you can kind of feel like, wow, this explains an awful lot, actually. Yeah. Like I he seemed just like a I, good kid. I seem, yeah, I sympathize with him as a little kid, as an adult. Um, yeah, it's at the end <laughs> when he said, um, she said, uh, Vanessa said, well, you didn't, it wasn't your fault. You were protecting your mother. Yeah. And he said, I didn't do it for her. I did it for me. I did it for me. And I was like, well, you lost me again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I don't sympathize right, with you. Anymore. It, was right, it was right there with you. But I mean, and yeah. even then I can still, I can still get why. I mean, it was totally justified. His mm-hmm. actions, I, you know, to me, they're completely justified, but um, you're right. That was interesting where he said, you know, I, I did that for me, but I think in some ways too, uh, like on the surface, like maybe his father wasn't physically brutal with him, but he was more mentally brutal with yeah. him. And maybe he, it was, you know, he had that pent up inside him and the thing with his mother was just the thing that set him off and maybe he was doing it for him like you know he mm-hmm. wanted to do it too not just for mom but for everything he's put me through as well that he yeah. could just never voice he was too scared to voice like i, I think that would be kind of crazy it's almost kind of like a little mini frankenstein in that regard like he <laughs> yeah. was this very timid boy until his dad brought it out on him when he told him to kick that jerk kid yeah you know and then he, and, he, you know, he, says that, he says that he doesn't he wears those those uh, cufflinks to remind himself not to be like his dad. But, in but he kind of is. Yes. So. I mean, just ask poor uh, Anatoly. Ask yeah. Anatoly's head. Um, mm-hmm. You know what he thinks of that for. In, because for, yeah, because know. he said um, to remind himself that he he's not cruel just for the sake of cruelty. Yes. Oh, but. but he when he killed that guy, he did it because he embarrassed him him, him in front of Vanessa. Yeah. So that's being cruel for the sake of cruelty. Yes, it is. (laughs) Like, that's not that's not just punishment. Uh, I mean, of course, he has to believe what he's saying is true. But from our perspective, we're like, it's not true. (laughs) Like, you could could see how it could be true. Mm -hmm. But but that's not how it is with him. He uh, he has it set in his mind that this is how it is. But the the lines are a little more blurred than he thinks they are, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but it is really interesting now how it's being panned. I'm very curious to see where things go from here because now uh, the roles are kind of reversed. People know who they know of Daredevil and what uh, they know. Are they calling him a terrorist? Yes. And what they know of him is not good. No. They, they don't like him. And Fisk, now everybody knows about him and they love him. Yeah. So how does the hated guy prove that the loved guy is actually the guy they should hate? Yeah, and that he should and was, stop. I'm uh, curious. And I was wondering, I don't know if if I didn't uh, see it correctly or what, but when Ben is writing his article on Fisk, yeah. and then they cut to Fisk giving his speech. Yes. Some of the words that he says are words that are in Ben's article. Yes. Is uh, that because is that coincidence or is it that um, Fisk actually saw the article or, or got a way of seeing what? Ben was writing. I think what it is, because there's this whole great voiceover monologue, right, of Ben mm-hmm. reading mm-hmm. his article as he's writing it to us, or he's writing it, but he's reading it to us. 
um, so we can hear it. And I think what it is is while some of those words are used in Fisk's speech and they're also in Ben's article, uh, as Fisk is using them, Fisk is using them in the opposite of how Ben is using them to describe Fisk. Right. Like, uh, you know, he's saying he needs to come out of the darkness while Fisk Mm -hmm. is talking about the same thing. But Fisk has come out of the darkness. He's made himself public. So basically, Fisk, everything Fisk is saying is completely undoing his article before he's even finished with it. And that's Mm -hmm. why he deletes it, because he's just like, I couldn't publish this. Now it looked stupid about this man hiding in the shadows that nobody knows. And he's secretly doing this horrible stuff and he needs to be stopped. And here he Mm -hmm. is. He's come out of the shadows. He's in the light. And he's telling people all these lovely things he's going to be doing for Hell's Kitchen. He would look horrible, so he deletes the article. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're right. They were they were juxtaposing it. They were similar words, but Ben was using them to paint him in a negative light, and he was using to paint himself in a positive one. Uh, so, yeah, this is that's just another reason why I'm just I'm swooning over this episode. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I may ask this episode to marry me. I really like this episode. <laughs> Uh, what would you, I think you already know what I'm going to give this episode. What would you give Shadows in the Glass, Aurora? I'll give it a 4.5. I will give it 5, but I there was a scene that annoyed me, mm-hmm. which was, um, you know that scene where Matt is talking to Ben? The one you yeah. mentioned where he was saying that they need to expose Fisk? Yes. I was so upset in that scene because it's raining outside. So much. Can they just go inside the car? <laughs> it looked like an uncomfortable amount of rain. I mean, I understand when they see each other for the first time. Okay, hi. Yeah, you want to talk to me? Okay, let's go inside the car because it's raining. I will say that's a bit of a dramatic trope that they used of the two guys talking about serious business. in a It room. was too much. Yeah, they didn't even have umbrellas. Come on, man. <laughs> it rains in New York. Everybody knows that. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you ever seen Have you ever seen the 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 movie This Is Spinal Tap? It's like mm. a um, it's a it's a it's a mockumentary about a fake band. Uh, and, uh, one of their, uh, one of their, uh, one of the, the jokes in the movie is that they have, uh, their amplifiers don't go up to 10. They go up to 11 because they (laughs) rock that hard. Uh, I would give this, I would give this episode a six if we, if our our geeky glasses went up that high. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to settle for a five. I really, really love this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I was just, you know, very, you know, very schoolgirlish. I had my 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 chin in my hands and i'm just sitting there <laughs> blinking my eyes lovingly at this episode i just couldn't i i could not stop like i just wanted this to be the show like could you just do a show about wilson fisk i did not expect to be so uh engaged by that character in particular and i yeah. love i love a lot of the characters on this show it's not like uh it's not like gotham where i uh most of the characters don't interest me but like you know like a uh, penguin is really interesting to me in that right. show and a few other characters stick out to me as as really interesting on this show all of them really do stick out but i am just really interested to see where they keep going with fisk because it, he is like simultaneously terrifying but you could sort of feel for him a little bit yeah. like you can see the humanity even though he is a horrifying person and it is it's very um interesting that in this episode you feel that uh, you feel more attracted to the character of Fisk mm-hmm. than Matt than Daredevil like you are more interested in knowing what happens with Fisk Instead of the hero or the story. Yeah, I think they're really trying to to color the lines, uh, like color outside of the lines a little bit and make it a little 
you know, make it make it a little make it a little shadier between like you know who's really good, who's really. I don't think we obviously know how that's going to turn out, but just by them blurring the lines a little bit, and yeah. and, and and getting you invested in the bad guy, uh, I think is just a really interesting way to go. I you know just. The standing ovation for these people. This is a yeah. re- just a really good TV show. Like, forget it about is. forget about like the superhero aspect. I think you could probably oh. sit 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 somebody down who's not a big superhero fan at all, and they would probably really dig this show. Yeah, uh, just because it's a really good TV show with engaging. Oh yeah, I every work. time I I interact with someone that I know is like fan of shows like this, I convince them to watch the show. Yeah. I mean, are you seeing Daredevil? No, you have to watch it. Yeah. Go home right now. I mean, it's, it. you know, it, it's just it's just a really solid show. I mean, and we we I think we sort of stopped talking about the fight choreography because I think it's just a given at this point. But anytime there's a fight in this show, it's just uh, you know a thing to behold, even if it's not like a particularly long fight scene. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still uh, thinking fondly of the the fight scene from the you know the second episode. It was mm-hmm. you know incredible. The fight scene with Stick and and the last episode was was great. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, you know, an episode, uh, the Stick episode, when he shoots the arrow to the black sky. Yes. And Matt does like this acrobatic. Like somersault, yeah, he does like a little in the air little and deviates yeah. the arrow. Yep, that was great. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's so much good about this show. Like, and, and it's on almost every level of of production. It's just a really solidly well put together show. Which I will admit, I was not expecting it to be as good as it is. Like, I was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and not to knock Shield, I was kind of expecting it to be like on that level, but maybe a little grittier because they don't have the restrictions that a show on ABC would have. Um, so I was expecting that, but this is kind of heads and shoulders. Yeah. Above, you know, I mean, like this is, and I love the MCU movies a lot, but mm-hmm. this show is kind of heads and shoulders above some of those movies. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely a few of them. And uh, it is just really good. So kudos to all those people. I'm glad it's coming back for a second season because yeah. uh, I'm I'm ready and waiting. I'm I'm ready and waiting for all the other Marvel shows. I don't even know how they're going to schedule <laughs> this all out and get all these other shows going. But uh, I'm I'm excited for more. Uh, I apologize by the way to anybody listening to this particular episode. Usually we try to keep it to about a half on a uh, half an hour, but we we've gone almost an hour. We're about ten minutes shy of an hour. We were but, uh, just too excited. <laughs> I just, I just love that last episode so much. I'm telling you, uh, next next week we'll come back and I'll still be talking about that episode, uh, <laughs> unless of course they, unless of course they pull they pull another rabbit out of their hat, which they may very well do. They may. Uh, I saw that description of the next episode, and I know that he's gonna fight some ninjas. Oh so goodness. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I am signed up. Okay, uh, so Aurora and I are gonna be back in just a couple of days to talk more Daredevil on Netflix, Season 1, Episode 9, Speak of the Devil, and Season 1, Episode 10, called Nelson v. Murdoch. Murdoch.